It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. The sun is shining. I've got a spring in my step. And yes, the world is falling apart. Oh, crazy, crazy. Yes, this is Counterculture, and I am your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Another great day. I think we're about episode 40 here. And I thought I, you know, I thought I would have either gotten fired or not make it to like 20. Apparently, they, they censor me out. They, but no, they still keep me around. And honestly, I thank you for staying around and listening to the show. It's resonating with a lot of people. People want to find the positive things that are going on here in Arizona, here in Phoenix. They want to find the bridge builders, the uh, builders of compassion and the builders of culture. And we like to highlight those. And so uh, we are just thankful for tuning in. And yes, uh, we are sponsored by Tesla, uh, makers of the all-new Tesla 2021 Model S. Um, in the color white with the white interior, I do accept that to be shipped directly to my apartment because you know I make so much money in my as a nonprofit person. It's just you know this will just be the icing on the cake. You know I don't really need a Tesla. You know I've already got one. You know or maybe I don't. <laughs> maybe it's a, it's a Versa. I get them mixed up. So those 20, 2010 Versas and twenty twenty one Teslas they're pretty much the same. So I am talking too much. I want to hear. I have in studio, all bundled up from the the crisp sixty eight degrees outside. We have Steve and Terry Volker. Welcome, Steve and Terry. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I guess it is morning, isn't it? It is. I'm usually like a lunch after lunch guy, but this is it is morning. But the people listening, this is five thirty p.m. on Fridays. Wink, wink. <laughs> So that's the magic of radio right now. You, we just broke the, the magic wall down. So, no, but Steve and Terry, two dear people, friends of mine, they are the executive director and president of Thrive Arizona. Did I get that right? Yes. That's right. They're just two people. They're, okay, and I'll, before I get it, they are, I would put them in the category of power couples in Phoenix. They are a Phoenix power couple. Together, they're getting big stuff done, and so we're happy to highlight you guys and hear about what's going on, what God's been doing in your in your lives, and what you're doing now in your ministry. So, thank you for joining us. Thanks. So, before we get into this, we want people want to get to know not just what you do, but who you are. So, we want to find out fake news, find out what's true about you, maybe something that's not. And my goal is to guess as as the harbinger of truth and goodness. I need to find out what's fake in the two two examples that you share. And yes, I just use the word harbinger. <laughs> I don't even know fully what that means. I don't either. <laughs> Usually associated with justice or death, but truth. <laughs> I'm bringer of truth. Okay. So two things. Steve? Okay. Or um, Terry? I can go first. Uh, I threw out the first pitch at a Diamondbacks game. Okay. Or I lived in the Dominican Republic. Okay. And do you have two as well? I do. I was a contestant on The Price is Right, and I am. Uh, I lived in Alaska. Okay. So one thing about being in studio is that you can see people's eyes and see – and so, Terry, so I'm just going to say that your eyes turned away uh-huh. when you mentioned Alaska. 
And so I'm going to say Alaska's fake news. Am I right? You're right. Okay. It's impressive. I'm telling you, I've got I got mad skills. <laughs> I've, I'm batting 500, but I've got mad skills. That's good. Uh, and Steve, I'm going to say I th- okay. I, you, I'm going to say you lived in the Dominican Republic, so you did not throw out the first pitch of the Diamondbacks game. That is not right. Oh, oh, you got me. So I'm still 50-50. See my my. Stone you, face. You do. You really, didn't. You didn't budge. Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you play poker on the side to help support your ministry? Yeah, I can't. Can't say yes or no. To okay, that. you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I neither confirm nor deny. Right. Hey, hey, no one's listening. You can tell me. It's okay. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. So you were. You did live in the Dominican Republic. No, you did not. I've been to the Dominican. You've been there a lot. Okay. No. We have a, another ministry that we take baseball teams to the Dominican Republic. Oh, uh, that's, that's I think story. I remember hearing that about, that's why I just assumed that maybe that I was tainted yeah. by hearing that story about being, that's like, I, yeah, I think he did live I've there. I've been setting you up for a while on that. I know. Yeah. It was a, it was a, you were set, it was a pitch right over the middle of the plate and I, and I swung at it and I missed, I missed it. I'm telling you. So we would love, I can't wait to hear about this. So first off, okay. President, executive director, who's the boss? He is. He is? <laughs> I'm the earner and I'm the spender. The earner and the spender. Yes. Nice. That's a well that's how that's how it happens, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So the earner. Yeah. Okay. So let's just go back a little bit. Before your your before Thrive AZ, what were you guys doing? So I uh, worked in corporate America for twenty years. Well, okay. And then I retired and then I went to work at the Phoenix Dream Center. Oh, okay. Uh, so I was the chief fund development officer at the Phoenix Dream Center for five years. So t- not everyone knows what the Phoenix Dream Center is. Just a quick description. Yeah. So the Dream Center is a uh, um, an old embassy suites off of Grand Avenue where they house uh, women and men that have been rescued out of human trafficking. Okay. And they also house uh, people coming out of different life issues like uh, drug addiction, homelessness, prison, those types of things. It's a fantastic place. I had the opportunity to visit. I think you gave me a tour there and just saw the the it's the front lines of really providing housing and stability for people. Fantastic work. Um, okay, the fantastic. And then you got into th- – so what about you, Terry? Uh, I was a stay-at-home mom for 19 years, stayed All home, right. raised my, my three children. Uh, and then I worked um, – after my kids were in high school, I worked at a women's shelter in northwest Arkansas. We lived there for a short period of time. Okay. Um, and helped run uh, a thrift store that uh, provided mental health. All the proceeds from it provided mental health, provided Christian counseling, um, and things for people in need. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic ministry. Yeah. And that was connected with the Dream Center there? No. No, okay. that was in Northwest Arkansas. Northwest it was Arkansas. called the Samaritan Community Samaritan Center. Samaritan Community. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Great ministry there. So it wasn't Alaska. It was Arkansas. It was Arkansas. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. a, well, there's, there's an A and an Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So what is it like to be married and partnering together in ministry? Because we don't, I mean, we, we get a lot of wonderful people in ministry, but rarely do we have like a couples together doing to, like what you guys are doing. What's it like being partnered? And if you want to cover it, we can turn off your microphone so you don't have to say it so we get to hear one, you know, the truth from one side. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've we've only been well, we've we've done ministry unofficially together our whole lives. I mean, it, even when we weren't doing this, we were um, reaching out and helping families. As we look back on our past, we we really did thrive ministry without having it be officially thrive. Uh, even when I was in corporate America and she was supposedly just staying home, but was doing a lot more than that. Um, but it's it's. It's a challenge, but it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we are two very different people right. and have 
completely different giftedness. I mean, she's the compassionate, loving person. I'm I'm the kind of no nonsense analytical type. Right. And so um, we, uh, as long as we stay in our lanes, we do really well yeah. together. That, <laughs> that's that's right. the challenge. Um, stay, is yeah. to stay in your lane and mm-hmm. to also just kind of be able to leave leave it at home or leave it at work and not have it be the only thing that you're talking about, the only thing that you're interacting on. Now, that's great advice because yeah. that seems to be would be the challenge that you're yeah. always, always on and there's just this no separation between the two. Yeah. Fortunately for us, I mean, one of the biggest blessings um, besides our three biological children, we adopted um, a, a young lady out of foster care, and she's now four and a half. And so we need that boundary to be able to leave work and go yeah. home and be mom and dad still to her sure. um, and not bring the work into the home, to still go home and just create that home environment and love on her as a four and a half year old. And we have three kids and two grandkids okay. and they keep us centered and focused on family. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is hard sometimes because of the families we we work with to leave all that right? Um, because those families are in crisis. And it's not um, just between nine to five. It's not. Yeah, it is a kind of a 24-7 thing. So it is a fine balance. And and he, um, like he said, we're both different. Um, I tend to have a harder struggle with that, you know, leaving that at the office and coming right. home and regrouping and, you know, but it's good. Well, we, we're a good team. So in the universe, there's the, the uh, immovable object and the irresistible force. So I think I've categorized you two, <laughs> like the unstoppable <laughs> force and the immovable, like you need a steady yeah. and then it's great then, yeah. but you also need the heart and expansion. Right. So uh, wonderful. So, and I've seen, know, I know you well enough. To, I've seen that dynamic in action, and how it's really benefited what you guys have been able to accomplish. Yeah. So, I, I'm not sure where I. I think I'm ha- a little half of both. Uh, I, I do have a little heart bent, but I do have. To, I have to stay steady. Yeah. So otherwise, I'll just cry myself to sleep. <laughs> 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 and but and my wife has a totally different career in a different world. But we talk about it. But it's actually yeah yeah. So it's just it did a very different a bit different. But really cool to hear that. Now, what? Tell me more about this. Like, how did Thrive Arizona get started? So Thrive uh, started out of a passion. Uh, that came from, I always say, once we knew it, we couldn't unknow it. Right. Um, when we moved from Arkansas back to Arizona, I got involved at the Phoenix Dream Center um, and was a mentor for a young lady there um, who had experienced domestic violence, substance abuse, some mental illness. Um, and I was coming alongside of her. She had six kids already and was oh pregnant goodness. with her seventh. Oh, my goodness. All six kids were in the foster care system, and she was about to have her seventh, which we knew at the time when the child was born, he was going to be substance exposed as well. Wow. And we knew at that point the department would have to come in out of protection for that child to remove him, to right. put him in a safe right. place. Um, because I was her advocate and mentor at the Dream Center, she had called me and asked if there was any way um, that I could um, – take her little guy in, this newborn baby, substance exposed, four days old, um, because the Department of Child Safety was going to allow her to choose a kinship provider. Um, so Steve was on the golf course that day, and I called him and said, hey, babe, um, we're going to get a baby tonight, oh, super super short term. <laughs> like We're just going to come alongside of this young lady and help her get reunified with all of her kids. Um, and in that process, yes, we did have the baby brought to our home that night. Um, we ended up 
being in that little that young man's life for two years um, and raised him. Um, we did get him back with a biological father. Um, but in that process of going through that, I would have conversations with Steve and other people and say, how do they do it? How does this mom facing this life altering like how do we how do we get her reunified with her kids? Mm. How does she do everything the Department of Child Safety is asking her to do in that timeline right. and then get a home, get well, furnish that home, make sure the kids have safe sleep, get a job, right. and then, you know, take on the role now of a single parent with kids who have been in the foster care system and have now experienced mm. their experiences and bring that family back together in a healthy way. And, um, and they're in the middle. Not only is these tasks would be hard for a person who's oh, really healthy and yeah. doing well, you're, they're, they're dealing with their own yeah. serious issues yeah. and like we, so many of us have. Being sober right. and, yeah. Yeah, and, and just the trauma they've experienced themselves. Right. Uh, so it came to a point where I just told my husband, I said, or I told Steve, I said, Steve, give me a truck. Just get a truck. I'm going to be – just go out and get people's things from their homes, get donations from people that they don't need any longer. Right. Um, and we'll just give it to these these families. We'll give it to them. We'll help them set up a home. We'll help them. T- let's take that burden off and we'll just right. s- to provide a support system around them so that they can get their kids back. Um, at that time when we were caring for this little guy, um, we were also – we became foster parents. And as those kids were coming in and out of our homes, I mean it was evident that you know, it could be a great foster home and foster homes are very important. Right. But at the end of the day, the kids want to be with their parents. Sure. And so how do we come alongside of those struggling at-risk parents and and love on them, give them a sense of hope, Mm. help them navigate the system so that they can either prevent their family from going into foster care, which would be our number one goal would be prevention. But if the children have already been removed, how do we get them to reunify? Reunification. In the timeline that they're given. So you work directly with like case managers yes. who help you um, know what the the, the client needs. Yes. This, per, this well, client sounds technical, but the person, mm-hmm. this human being, this yeah. person needs, and so then you then you work to help meet those goals and objectives, like yeah. like items and stabi- home stability. Yes. What are some other things that you do? Uh, we so we do prevention, reunification, and we serve aged out. So for our prevention and reunification families, we pro- our number one goal is to provide them with safe sleep. We provide brand new beds, brand new sheets, and a brand new pillow. None of our kids we've we've given out over two thousand, three thousand beds. I don't know wow. what the exact number is. Um, we've been involved with over nine hundred preventions and over four five hundred reunifications and now serving over 250 aged out. So we do that by providing those basic needs. It's been a beautiful partnership Mm -hmm. with the Department of Child Safety. Um, We love them. We know their jobs are hard and we love to come alongside of them first as Mm -hmm. they're going into these homes. Um, But there are eyes on the ground. They go in, they do their investigation, they determine what that family needs, and then they can do an agency referral on our website. And that will give us the client's information and what that caseworker deems as needed for the either prevention yes. or reunification. And then we contact that client and we we talk about what they can be. Mm. You know, during the pandemic, it really hit our families hard. A lot of them became out of work. Um, we were providing toilet paper, paper towels, cleaning products, things that were they couldn't really find basic in stores. Stuff foods. Because, yeah, yeah, we right. really had to step it up even bigger than what we were already doing to serve them. So as bad as the pandemic has been for the, a nation, uh, but and the world really, but it especially hits the the poorest the hardest. Yes, because there's so many things that we take for granted yeah. that are yeah. that help help us cope. Yeah. So 
We really saw that in our aged out population. We were serving about 30 aged out kids before the pandemic hit, and now we're almost at 250. Um, 30 to 250. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was crazy. We were having to do drive-through food pickups on Saturdays and all these things that, you know, they they – Never needed that before, but they were the ones that were working in the restaurants and those things that that lost their jobs. Yeah, retail and all that that really got hit hard. A lot of college students, a lot of aged out college students were in dorms and had no place, couldn't get back home and then had no resources. Oh, my goodness. And one of the things that we said was, you know, a lot we had a lot of pressure on. Do you shut down? Do you stop? The pandemic's going. I mean, we're very personal because we go to people's homes. How do you do that? How do you do that safely? Mm -hmm, So we had to put mm -hmm. a lot of safety protocols in place. Um, But our families were struggling between toilet paper and food before the pandemic, and we couldn't stop. Right. We couldn't stop. No, you can't stop. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're going to risk your life for something, what what better thing to risk your life for? Yeah. You know. Forget, uh, skydiving is cool, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, much for how much more yeah. someone who's really on the verge of total collapse, a, yeah. a family or especially a child who, who's a victim of all this, yeah. and you can step in at that time. That's fantastic. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Samhorn. I have in studio Steve and Terry Vogel with the Thrive Arizona. Is it Thrive Arizona or just Thrive? Thrive Arizona. Thrive Arizona. And uh, the, the fantastic work they're being on the front lines of helping uh, children and families stay together. Um, so uh, what's the biggest misconception that people have about like foster care, the foster system? I think f- the thing that stands out to me is that these people, these these um, clients, the, the people that we serve, they deserve to lose their kids. Oh, that that okay. it's – you know – they they shouldn't be allowed to have their kids and and uh, you know obviously there's times when kids need to be removed we're we're all about child right. safety but at the end of the day these are families that didn't have anybody around them to keep them I don't know about you but for me there's times when I could have easily gone off the path sure. yeah, if I didn't too. have yep. somebody Yep. pushing me back to the straight right. and narrow. They don't have that. And so, um, you know, we, we need to look at them like Jesus would look at them mm-hmm. and understand that there's a reason why they're struggling with the things that they've struggled right. with. They're still valuable. They still love their kids. They still want to be together. And and so it, they're, the children don't want to be, like Terry said, with foster families. They want to be with their families. Right. And, and so uh, I think sometimes as Christians, we, we become judgmental and look at that and go, you know what? They deserve to not have their kids. They, right. you know, they did this or they did that, and so they shouldn't have their kids. Mm. And that's kind of the one thing that kind of just jumps out at me. Yeah. What about? Have you seen some? Have you had a different yeah. thought? We've had some interesting conversations. You can have one or the other. I'm. Um, I definitely agree with what Steve's saying. A, a lot of people think. Um, that even DCS is bad. Like they're going in and they're taking these kids. Right. DCS doesn't do that. Um, they don't. They do have to do removals, but yeah. they go in and do an investigation. And remember, there was a call first. There was a concern first. There, there's an investigation, right. and then the investigation will either turn to a caseworker. They'll decide how this right. needs it's a to whole go. Pro- because thoughtful process. It is yeah. a thoughtful process. So they're not just going in and removing kids because they don't have those basic items. Right. There's an issue first. Right. But then the caseworker shows up and they say, "Well, you know, yes, there's this neglect or abuse or." domestic violence going on, but there's also this need that we see for um, basic needs mm-hmm. that could really help the family. So there is a misconception that DCS is just taking kids. I've had clients, and these are some uh, some amazing calls. I have a young lady who 
who I was talking with, and she said, if DCS would not have gotten come in, mm. removed my kids, I would have never gotten my life together. I wow. was a drug addict. Yeah. And I needed a wake-up call. This was the wake-up call I needed to wow. get my life. And she's doing great. She's doing great That is – yeah. And we only – again, we, we usually almost always hear just the bad stuff. Yeah. And, and there is see. bad stuff. Sure. Oh, there yeah. There is bad stuff. Yeah. But as a whole, and you, you and I both work closely enough with DCS, there's some dear people oh, yeah. doing some amazing work and stuff that we wouldn't want to do. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, they're handling calls of and having to make really hard decisions. They are. Um, but it, it, it could, if they choose one way, it could lead to significant more abuse or some right. neglect or some situation continuing, or they have to make the call. Right. So I, I, I love and lo- we, we're thankful to support and what DCS is doing. And again, yeah. we, it's not that there's never any criticism. Mm-hmm. There's criticism of me. I mean, I deserve, I need it too. You know, we all do. But uh, no, but I'm, I know that there's rich partnerships. That's a good observation. And, um, you know, I think we already talked about this, but the pandemic in the middle of this, you've chosen to stay active and not let that – I mean, the main reason – well, why is it that you do that? Well, I said before, like, we, we really had to evaluate who we were serving mm-hmm. and how hard our families were getting hit and then the amount of calls um, that we were receiving. They were, they were desperate. And yeah. so, like I said, our families were struggling – between toilet paper and food before a right. pandemic. So for us to close, and then you've got DCS who their numbers are starting, you know, now all the kids are home and right. there's more calls coming in and mm-hmm. there's more need. And um, and so we just felt like we didn't, this was a, what God called us to do. And so right. this was a very uh, huge time of need and a lot more hurting people. Yes. So we can't stop now. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, I mean, for me initially, as the person that oversees the finances and stuff, you look at that and go, man, I mean, this is going to take a lot more of our resources. Right. We're going to be you know, doing a lot more things. But at the end of the day, what we realize is that, look, if we need to empty everything that we right. have, if our warehouse goes completely sure. dry, our bank account goes dry, we've done what God's called us yes. to do. And, and as long as we act in obedience and keep moving forward, mm-hmm. he's going to continue to honor that and, and continue to provide the resources. And Terry is a professional spender. And, <laughs> yes, I am. and what that means, though, is that she's spending on behalf of these children and families. Yeah. And that's really, I know what we, we, we tease about it, but. Yeah. I mean, our budget is about $10,000 a month just in beds. I mean, wow. we're giving about 100 beds a month. And that's. That's enormous. That's, that's mattresses, frames, pillows, sheets, cribs. Um, you know, safe sleep is very important yeah. to the Department of Child Safety. Yeah, it's and one of the main the factors for mm-hmm. unification and yeah. stability. Yeah. yeah. And the, oh, well, that's a huge need. The, yeah. I think the idea that someone is sleeping on the floor yeah. uh, is uncon- we, we don't we, we don't allow we, we don't allow that in our culture. Yeah. And it's usually the sign of many other problems. Right. But it, if you you come in and relieve that one issue right off the bat. And it's a huge issue. Same with our organization. So it's we, we know how important to be getting off getting off the floor and helping families. So where do you find hope? And I mean, we've talked in a sense a lot about bleakness and the the, the need and, um, but what, what gives you hope with your organization? I think for me is to, to hear the stories from our families Mm -hmm. and to see the difference that we're able to make in their lives and how appreciative they are. I mean, just yesterday we, we got a, a call from a, 
a client, a single mom that we had just delivered to, and she was almost in tears. I mean, for just so grateful for what we were able to do for her. And wow. our driver prayed with her when he delivered the stuff, and it, it just it made her feel like somebody cared, and that uh, you know we. That's what we're all about here. I mean, w- one of the things that, that Terry always says is that once you're part of Thrive, you're always part of Thrive. We're not just going to make one-time delivery to you and right. see you later. Good luck with your life. If you need something, we want you to yeah. call. Mental health resources, all of those different things, educational resources, mm-hmm. we, we want to provide those things. And so our, our families will, will come back to us because they believe that we care about them. This has been a great conversation. How can our listeners get involved with Thrive Arizona? Oh, there's so many ways. Uh, if you are, you have a a Girl Scout group, a Boy Scout group, if you have a home group, um, your church, you can do wipe out a need. You can collect personal items, toilet paper, um, personal hygiene items. You can give. You can go to our website um, and give online. Thriveaz.org? www.thriveaz.org. Uh, you know, I, again, you heard me say $10,000 a month just in beds. That's not including all the the gas cards. I mean, right. we've taken on this huge, um, you know, aged out population. 49% of our homeless population in Phoenix is, is aged out foster care. Unbelievable. It's unheard of, you know. We serve 18 to 24 Fantastic. Yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. Love you guys. Love what you're doing. Bless Thrive AZ. May God bless your ministry. You. We're excited to see what you, uh, the next year and a couple of years has in store for you and God continue to provide for you. So find out more at thriveaz.org. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.